Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Matthew Mogo Fields. He leads the supplemental and intervention and the Heinemann divisions of HMH, the leading K through 12 learning technology company. What an awesome talk. So much to learn about literacy and working with teachers. Thanks for listening. And by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you would uh, share the podcast with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your colleagues. Could you do that for me? That would be so cool. Just say, hey, here's the link for my favorite podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. You know that you could do that. That'd be so cool. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you like awesome rings? Do you need a ring to replace one that you lost ages ago? Or do you need a new wedding band because yours is no longer fixable? Well, <laughs> I have this cool sponsor, Boone Titanium Rings. They can be found at boonrings.com. They make their rings from titanium, and you can get the rings carved, engraved, inlaid, laser cut. There's even special collections like the Hunter Series or the Gamer Rings or the Black Zirconium. Very cool. They have models that have meteorite, wood, or other inlays. Check out boonrings.com. And at checkout, use the code for my podcast. It's Capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, and the number 12, T-L-L-K-12, and you will get 10% off the total, and you will help this podcast out. Thanks so much. I love my ring, and I know you will love yours. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto, teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dot Stimoletto. Matthew Mugo Fields is a leader in the education sector committed to improving learning through technology and innovation. As a serial entrepreneur and senior executive, he has devoted his career to transforming education to ensure that academic success is attainable for students of all backgrounds. Today, Matthew leads the Supplemental and Intervention and the Heinemann Divisions of HMH, the leading K-12 learning technology company. Prior to HMH, Matthew founded education startups, Redbird Advanced Learning, a personalized learning company later acquired by McGraw-Hill that developed AI-driven curriculum and professional learning programs, and Rocket Learning, a national provider of in-school tutoring services. He holds dual master's degrees in business and education from Harvard University and is an honors graduate of Morehouse College. Matthew is an avid cyclist and snowboarder and volunteers as a member of the board of directors of DoSomething.org. He is also the founder and board chair of Innovation for Equity, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving outcomes for black learners of all ages. Matthew, thanks for joining me today. Great to have you on the show and say hi to everyone. Hey, Stephen. Great to be with you. Uh, it's a real pleasure. Well, it's awesome to have you on the show. And and yeah, there's there's so much cool stuff. Before we started recording, we were talking about the connection with Atlanta and so forth and uh, good stuff there. And uh, one of the things I got to do is that in your bio, I read that you're a leader in the education sector committed to improving learning through technology and innovation. I mean, what clicked with you that encouraged you to have this focus? I mean, the focus on uh, technology and innovation. What, what, where did that come from? Yeah, it actually connects back to the conversation we were having about our, our common Georgia 
connection point. Uh, for me, it really clicked when I was a student at Morehouse College. Um, it has everything to do with how I got to Morehouse. Um, backing up a few years, I came to the United States when I was uh, almost 11 years old. Um, and prior to that, I came from a country in the Caribbean called Barbados, most most commonly now known for the singer Rihanna, uh, and we love her, uh, but there's a lot more of us <laughs> there. Nice, nice. And uh, I had been a, a, a good student. Um, I'd been a top performing student throughout elementary school. But when I came to the United States, um, the district that I entered had this policy that if you came from certain parts of the world, you were kind of put in a, a low track back when they had tracking and I was sort of on my way, fifth grade, destined to vocational education. Um, and I didn't know any better. I was a kid. My mom didn't have much in way of education, nor did she have the, the tools to kind of combat a system like this. And so it kind of coasted along. And then my life changed when I had Mrs. O'Gorman for uh, seventh grade language arts. Um, and she saw something in me uh, and said, we got to make sure this kid gets on track for college and literally took me by the hand and went down the hall to her her good friend uh, and the guidance counselor at the time, Margaret Pinder Bing, and the two of them kind of conspired to map out my future, uh, made sure I got extra tutoring, made sure I was able to get on college track. And even long after I'd been in sort of the purview of them in middle school, when I was in high school, you know, made sure I was in every program you can imagine, made sure that I, uh, you know, when it came time to apply to colleges, I applied to a good set of schools. And got into Morehouse, and they really wanted me to go to Morehouse, but I, my family couldn't afford it. And um, that that group of educators gathered together folks in the community, and they raised money to send me to school. Nice. And um, and and that's how I wound up going to Morehouse. And right before I left uh, suburban Philadelphia for Atlanta to go to Morehouse, they looked at me and said, "Okay, now go do for other kids what." Uh, what we did for you. And so my sort of obsession slash assignment <laughs> as a as a freshman uh, and more else was trying to figure out how I could I could do that and map out a career for myself. And I began, um, you know, happenstance in some ways, uh, you know, meeting some kids who were on campus who lived in, uh, around the school um, and struck up a relationship, a mentorship, really relationship with them and started tutoring uh, them. That eventually turned into a tutoring business. And over time, the work in tutoring became more and more infused with technology as a way of ensuring more effectiveness and also more scale. And so that's that's where the sort of focus on technology and innovation came in. And I can obviously add a lot more detail, but that's the, the high level story. That's awesome. Thanks. That's, that's cool. That's, and, uh, um, and you definitely, uh, are giving back, you know, we get a chance to talk about, uh, some of the stuff that you're doing here in a minute. We got, uh, so it's one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, you know, you're now president of Heinemann and, uh, that's, you know, big company, <laughs> lots going on. I mean, what's your vision for your role as president? Yeah, I mean, Heinemann, as you mentioned, is a really important um, company and organization in sort of this broader education ecosystem. It's a division of HMH um, that operates sort of semi-autonomously, I would say. Um, you know, we, we definitely benefit from being under the HMH umbrella. Um, but we have a sort of a unique history and vision, got its start 
in the area of professional books. So books that teachers and, and leaders would buy to kind of improve their craft, particularly folks who subscribe to more of an inquiry based teaching approach and philosophy. And, uh, and, and, and Heinemann eventually grew, um, especially given the, the strength of authors like uh, Lucy Calkins, Francis Pinnell, um, and Jen Saravallo, among others. Um, and then really um, the, the demand for these authors to begin creating curricular materials that also sort of imbued their philosophies uh, emerged. And then uh, Heinemann uh, became a provider of mostly supplemental uh, curriculum materials in the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years or so. So if you think of it as, you know, what I've been saying internally is sort of Heinemann 1.0 was the professional books company. Heinemann 2.0 has been the what we've been done over the last 10 to 15 years around uh, curriculum and professional books. And what we're really focused on is building what we're calling Heinemann 3.0. And, and, and what that is, is honoring the richness of our of our past, making sure that that philosophy of student-centered, uh, inquiry-based <clears throat> um, curriculum focus, professional books focus, honoring teachers' uh, professionalism and, and helping teachers really master the craft, that that remains central to who we are and our mission, but we then begin to integrate and leverage technology and innovative tools to help us um, you know, achieve some, some growth and, and, and uh, advance our, our mission further. Specifically, how that's happening is, you know, we, we've got sort of plank one of our vision or our strategy around strengthening our curriculum. So that's enhancing some of the uh, materials that we already have out there. We're really excited. We just launched um, the latest uh, version of the Lucy Calkins Units of Study Curriculum for grades K-2. We've got um, uh, 3-5 coming as well. Um, that involves a lot of Lucy and her team at Teachers College, the research that they've been doing over recent years and really integrating that into um, the, the enhancements to the, to the curriculum um, in, in a mindset of continuous improvement. We also are excited about our growth in math. Heinemann has historically primarily been a literacy company. We now have a growing and robust portfolio in math. We've partnered with Marilyn Burns uh, and created a new generation of the Do the Math curriculum. We also um, are excited to be offering uh, math expressions, a core curriculum program as well. We know that math is a big need right now, particularly when you look at uh, coming out of the pandemic and learning loss and how much how much students have 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 um, uh, have you know um, how much learning gains have kind of gone backwards in some ways in in math more even than ELA. Um, and so, and then we're also focused on modernizing professional learning, continuing to offer books, yes, but being more multimedia about the kind of professional learning opportunities we create. We also offer professional learning in classrooms and coaching to teachers, um, both with regard to our curriculum, but also in a more agnostic fashion. So no matter what curriculum you're using, you can benefit from Heinemann professional learning. And last and certainly not least, there's a big push and big part of our strategy is around digital transformation. So that th that takes two forms. It's making sure that more and more of our offerings 
are meeting teachers in classrooms where they now are. We know that one of the things that happened in the pandemic is it sped up the adoption of ed tech. And so we, um, like every other sort of good curriculum company, need to become more and more of an ed tech company in terms of modalities and making sure that we have digital offerings. We're excited about the launch of our Heinemann flight platform where all of our curriculum comes together. And in addition, we also know we have internally transformed how we do things and be much more sort of digitally native inside the organization and leverage modern tools. So that's a mouthful, but you asked for it. <laughs> Most definitely. That is, I mean, it's so awesome because uh, you can't be in education. I mean, I, I've been in education for 36 years in the state of Georgia. And uh, Heinemann is, is just like you said, when, you know, I've seen it from the the days and I know some of the book authors and uh, um, I'm getting ready to interview Jennifer Saravella coming up here as soon as we coordinate our calendars and awesome. and uh, you know and it's uh, and there's other authors that uh, that Hanum has, has uh, published that uh, I've connected with but also as a teacher as an administrator use their their works and uh, over the last bunch of years and um, but it's so cool the different uh, um steps forward, the different uh, steps to widen and broaden um, how it impacts what's going on in education. And I think that is, uh, that is awesome. Yeah, we're really, really excited about it. I think it, we're essentially yeah, adding some a modern twist to things that we know remain sort of eternally true in our state, sticking to our principles, but, but also not being afraid to, to, um, to continuously grow and improve. That is awesome. Now, I, I got to ask this because uh, there's a lot of names involved here. I mean, how is HMH different from Heinemann? Yeah, it's a great question. So HMH is um, the parent company of, of Heinemann and HMH is, uh, you know, I think first let's start with what's what's the same. So what's the same is Broadly speaking, we have the same purpose. We, we want to help transform lives. We want to help make a more open and just society through the process of teaching and learning. And so we, that is commonly shared between Heinemann and HMH. However, when it comes to how we approach that, there are some slight differences. I mentioned one already. I said you know, Heinemann's much more uh, focus on sort of inquiry-based instructional approaches. Um, and so think of, you know, what, what some people may at sometimes call constructivist. I don't want to get too too wonky, too edgy-wonky with your listeners, but, but there's a different approach to this idea of teachers and students sort of doing much more hands-on discovery learning uh, that's central to, to, to Heinemann. And then the other thing is Heinemann's uh, curriculum is really developed by teachers for teachers. Um, you know, our authors, like Jen Saravalo, for example, like Lucy Coggins, like um, uh, FNP, are grounded in classrooms, um, and they they sort of start there. Now, they're obviously research-informed in, as well, and, 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 and in some cases conduct their own research, um, but, but, but they are mu they're, they're very much connected to uh, teachers in the classroom. So more practice based, um, than anything. That is cool. Appreciate you explaining that. It's just cool. Yeah. Cause these are, these are, you know, big names in, uh, um, in publishing and education and, uh, um, and all that we do in our world. And, uh, and it's cool to understand the differences and the sameness. So, um, yes. very nice. So thank you. All right. So now let's get down to what you do, all right? If you had to choose one thing that you spend your days addressing, what would it be? 
Just one? Just okay. one. Okay. You can, you can cheat. You can no, do a couple more. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, you know, backing up for a second, I, I am still very much that, you know, that educator who was, you know, given this assignment by my mentors and people who helped change my life and basically acquired skills along the way in the areas of technology and business to help actualize um, that sort of, you know, that, that focus from a career perspective. So if you ask me if I could just focus on one thing, it would be really that intersection of how do we help uh, the best practices that that we know can be effective to advance student learning, uh, particularly in literacy, if I'm forced to choose one subject area, but obviously math is critical as well, um, that how, do, how can we better leverage technology to make sure that those practices are more repeatably implemented in classrooms? So this is certainly um, about making sure that technology and innovation is in service of teachers. Uh, teachers are in charge, um, but we can do a lot more if you think about ways in which advances in technology have supported other areas of our life and other sectors, you can think of the evolution of education taking on a similar improvement track. And so that's the thing I'm most uh, in interested in focusing on is how can we enlist the sort of modern tools, technology to help teachers do the things that we know work. That's awesome. I just, you know, I got to tell you, there's so many things. If I, if I had to, could go back in time that I could take with me <laughs> to the classroom, it's, it's just cool. I mean, I, and I know that's a little far fetched because number one, uh, um, it probably wouldn't work if I took it back then, right? <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah, but, but yeah, you, but you're right. I mean, some of the principles stay true. We just have more. Uh, you know, we have. We're at this inflection point. One one of the sort of silver linings of an otherwise, um, you know, horrible pandemic was the sort of you know acceleration of the adoption of we 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 of technology. And what I mean by that is we finally realized, I think, as a society, that having a device and having internet connectivity is not a nice to have in the process of teaching and learning. It's essential. Uh, it can be used in many different ways. You know, we can now connect students with learning even when they're out of school environments. So that, you know, some kids don't like that because snow days aren't what they used to be. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but, 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 but think about students who've sort of structurally been uh, disadvantaged by not having access uh, to learning. Um, and, and now that, that's more, those opportunities are more and more ubiquitous. Still not perfect, still not where we want to be. But we've 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 come a, a ways, and that now has created this opportunity for us to to really um, you know, make almost everywhere a learning um, an environment, if you will. That's so awesome. I mean, it, it's you know, it's uh, there's so much going on, and it, it the it's just powerful. And like you said, uh, the a positive out of the pandemic is being able to make it accessible. Um, realizing where there this weakness was that people could not um access and stuff like this and um the technology or the first of all just the bandwidth yes exactly <laughs> um, and uh i worked in a place where um, um superintendents were um driving buses out into parking lots of churches and stuff like this that had these little devices on them so that they would send the signal out to be able to get to them 
Yeah, absolutely. People, you know, setting up fast food restaurant, parking lots, et cetera. There's some real heroic um, stories. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that some of our artists and entertainers will will tell some of those stories because people did some really extraordinary things. Really did. You got that right. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting interesting time and uh, how we came through it. So good stuff. Yeah. You know, so Matthew, let's talk about that digital footprint of Heinemann's. I mean, what are you doing to expand it? Yeah, so so we're doing a few things. Um, you know, Heinemann's long had uh, digital sort of components to many of our curricular solutions. We've even um, had uh, digital forms of distribution of some of our thought leadership. Think, you know, podcasts like this and 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 uh, um, videos, etc. We are increasing the density and the connectivity of that. So what, what I mean by that is one of our big top tier priorities is our flight platform, Heinemann flight platform. So we've launched this with the um, with the launch of the new Lucy Calkins units of study program. Eventually all of our curricular materials will, will live on this single platform. So part of the benefit there is that teachers don't have to kind of go back and forth between different systems and different platforms. They can have everything in sort of one place and have one set of, of sort of conventions that they can grow used to. It just creates efficiency and easier access for teachers and for students. Um, so that's a big priority of us. We're also um, digitizing more and more of our curriculum content. So everything from giving access to um, the new uh, Jump Rope Readers, which are these amazing decodable books that Lucy and her team developed that, you know, are, are not your typical decodables. These are real stories that are truly engaging for students and students can access them uh, digitally um, or in print. Uh, additionally, we're bringing more of our math curriculum. And so you can see math activities, including digital manipulatives, exercises, et cetera, on the, um, um, on the, 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 the flight platform. So that's a big focus for us. And then I would say, think of it as internally, we're building the muscles in the organization to operate more and more um, like a software company, you know, the, the, the sort of, the, the saying these days is every company is a software company. The only question is, are you a good one or are you not a good one? Uh, and we are we are solidly in uh, on that journey to being a really good uh, company. That doesn't mean that's all you do. It just means that you have to have those muscles and those capabilities. And we've got a large engineering team and, and we benefit from uh, from being a technology, embracing technology forward organization. It's so cool because just, just to go along with what you're talking about, I mean, we've come a long way because part of, you know, part of what happens now with, uh, and I don't, I don't mean to say that it's just a publisher, some, just a book publisher, because now you, like you said, you have to have all this other stuff. And so like uh, the authors, a lot of times um, what they have is they have electronic uh, resources that come with, with the book and stuff like that, which I yes. think is so cool is templates for this or uh, an example of this or that, that you can take and use. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, and they can be as sophisticated as sort of algorithmically driven AI driven exercise activities, which is some of the stuff we're working on, or it can be as simple as a, a you know, PDF form that you can give access to that can help supplement the the curriculum and both those things are are important and valid you got that right that's it's such a cool uh, um 
I'm going to call it bonus. You know, it's kind of like, uh, hey, check this out. I got this, this other thing and I can put this to use. And, you know, that's where the technology comes such into play because we, as a, as a teacher administrator, you're, you're using the, the tools and then you have these uh, resources and you take that and it, it helps further your learning about how to work with the kids, I think. So. Absolutely right. And there's, there's just some things you can do in the digital medium that you, you just can't do um, in print. This idea of, you know, more and more personalizing instruction, um, helping teachers do things more quickly like grading um, and doing assessment um, more efic- efficiently. I think at its best, when we can kind of offload some of the uh, more mundane tasks and make teachers' lives easier because they're already so overburdened, um, that's where we, we focus a lot of our time and attention on. That being said, I just want to be clear, like, you know, we our, our solutions are, are blended. So there are some folks in some instances where they're going to have a preference for a print based uh, modality of, of teaching. We still want kids curling up on a mat, you know, with a great book in, in their hands. Some kids are going to do that with a tablet. That's fine too. That's awesome. Cause just as a note, you're talking to someone who is really does not want to let go of paper. I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like a paper yeah, book. Me, me, me either. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, in my home office with, you know, some books. Nice. Nice. Yes. Underline and I, I, all the, I love annotating and all that sort of stuff with the yeah, electronic yeah. devices, but I got to, you know, there's a pencil and a writing in the, in the, absolutely in the sidelines, good stuff. So, yeah. well, excellent. I, you know, so let's focus on literacy for a minute. I mean, could you talk about our strengths and weaknesses in reading instruction um, from the classroom teachers approach? I mean, can you just kind of go there for a minute? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, reading is, and then everyone knows this, this is the most foundational, most important of skills, right? Uh, and so it, it rightly deserves a lot of attention on, on how we teach students reading and uh, the various components of that. And, and and that would be the other point is there are various components. Look, we uh, at Heinen spend a lot of time uh, and energy figuring out what's working, what's not working. Um, and we have, you know, we have undoubtedly concluded that for foundational literacy uh um, instruction, you must have sort of structured explicit phonics instruction as a key part of any um, literacy program. And, and our programs have long had that um, with, within them. Uh, but we also know that, you know, phonics, phonemic awareness, as important as they are, they are not the totality. Uh, comprehension, vocabulary, fluency, language skills are also essential uh, and important. And we need to equip teachers with a sort of toolbox of strategies and techniques on how to respond to the specific needs of their of their students. You may have some students who need, you know, more robust um phonics instruction. You may have other students who lack background knowledge, who don't, you know, when they're reading things, they can decode, but they don't understand what they're reading because, you know, I don't know, the book is about farming and they don't live on a farm. They live in a city or vice versa. They, they live on a farm, they don't live in a city. Um, and, and so they lack that content sort of background knowledge. And that may be where you need to focus. So I think it's important that teachers are equipped 
to be able to identify the specific needs that their students have and respond to those specific needs and and avoid thinking that you know a, a sort of cookie cutter approach is going to work for every single student um you know that that's we've we've seen that that doesn't necessarily work you got that right I, I, you know it's just uh um it we got a you know a lot of things going on, and uh, you know a lot of stuff in the in the recent years about how uh, we've learned it. And actually, it's based on research that's go, going way back, <laughs> um, yes. which is cool. It's just that uh, we got to get people to pay attention a little bit more. <laughs> we do, we do. Uh, well, that's one of the that's one of the great things about you mentioned Jen Saravalo earlier about her new book, Reading Strategies 2.0. Jen has done a tremendous amount of of the sort of heavy lifting of combing through, I think it was something like 700 research papers um, and distilling that into the set of strategies that teachers can access. So kind of, you know, we talk all the time in education about bridging the gap between research and practice. Jen is standing right at that bridge saying, I've taken, I've done the hard work of figuring out what actually, um, the research is saying is most effective and then translated that into a set of strategies for teachers. Um, her first, you know, the first edition of the book was obviously usually impactful in the field. And we're even more excited about reading strategies 2.0 because she has all this updated research in it. And she's really, um, uh, really distilled it into things that teachers can use in the classroom day to day. That's so cool. What I do in my work world. I mean, I know my, uh, reading experts use, uh, use her strategies and her books. And, uh, it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's powerful. I mean, I mean, you know, one of the things that she's trying to address is that, I mean, in, you know, if we go back to the you know, most recent NAEP scores in reading, I mean, uh, where are we as a country? Yeah, we, I think it's clear we've lost ground. Um, you know, it, the NAEP scores are one measure, they're an important measure, but there are other measures too um, that, you know, look, we, we talked about it a moment ago that, you know, there, sure there were some bright spots, but the pandemic was, was, was rough. It was, it was, um, you know, it was, it was not, you know, remote learning, uh, you know, we did what we had to do, but I think we've kind of concluded that was not an idealized learning environment for many, many students. Uh, certainly some students benefited from it, but many did not. Um, and especially uh, you look at our low income and minority students um, who fell furthest behind. Um, so in many ways, these you know troubling achievement gaps that so many of us have spent careers focused on um, appear to have, have gotten um, worse. And and that requires uh, a, a, a you know I think at this moment in time we need all hands on deck uh, in our field we need everyone to be at the table and and we need to be helping each other that's why I think it's important that we not get distracted by divisiveness and you know there's resurgence and things like reading wars all that kind of stuff no we, we need everyone at the table focused on helping us address uh, what is undoubtedly uh, a big challenge that we face boy are you so right because it's you know it's one of those things where uh, i mean kids could actually you know it's it's i was talk i've been talking with a bunch of people lately about this and uh, in my world and it's like uh, y you know they they could turn their teacher off yeah. um you know and, yeah. <laughs> and pretend that they were there and uh, if the parent wasn't making sure they were there 
I mean, they, they didn't have to do anything. And exactly. And then when the world said, all right, we're ready to bring you back into the building. Then the next thing that happened was some kids didn't come back and it's like, Whoa. <laughs> you know, it's- yeah. Some kids didn't come back. And some, and then the other thing was we already know teachers have to deal with uh, the challenge of sort of student skill diversity within a given classroom that got amplified. Right. So yeah, it's students who some who had been, you know, home for two years and got the benefit of more individualized attention and they stayed on track. Some of them moved ahead. And then you had students who had been out of school essentially for two years. And then the same age sitting in the same classroom and teachers have to then figure out, okay, how do I lesson plan for this for students who are sometimes three, four, five grade levels apart? Um, it's it's a it was it's a really big challenge. Most definitely. Most definitely. You know, um, all right. So I'm going to ask you a question here. So um, if you had the chance to talk with an audience of teachers who are finishing their first year teaching, what would you want them to take away from your talk? Uh, The main thing, honestly, I'd want them to take away is don't give up. Um, We, we are uh, another dimension of the crisis that we're in is the teacher shortage. Uh, I talk to leaders across the country all the time and um, and they're really challenged. You know, we, we do a, a regular survey every year. And I think the last one came out last summer, something like, you know, three quarters of teachers were not feeling great about their profession. I can only imagine that that's, that's even um, more dramatic for new teachers who are still in pursuit of sort of mastery and, and, and probably aren't feeling a ton of success. And, you know, look, there are, um, it, it, you know, teaching is the noblest of professions. Um, we, we, we all agree with that. It's also a very challenging profession and our teachers need um, better working conditions, more support. Um, we can talk about, you know, um, compensation as well, uh, but they also need uh, encouragement and, and to know that they are the life changers that they are. And I, my personal story is a testament to that. Uh, and the work that I try to do every day in helping ease their lives uh, hopefully is a small way of sort of repaying them. So I would I would want teachers to to know that, yes, it's challenging. Don't give up. You can make a difference. I'm a, I'm proof of that. That is so awesome. I love that message. Love it. Matthew, it's been awesome talking with you today. And and, and we got a couple questions left. But um, before we close, if someone to learn more, where would you send them? Yeah, send them to uh, Heinemann.com to learn more about what we're up to at Heinemann. Uh, And also uh, send them to HMHCO.com to learn more about what we're doing more broadly at HMH. Um, So I'd send them to those those two websites. Excellent. I'll have that in the show notes so it's easy to find and easy to, uh, especially if you're uh, on your phone, a cool thing with the technology is boom, just click and boom, you're there gone. You go. So I love it. Exactly. I love it. So, uh, all right, last two questions for you. And these are questions I like to ask my guests. And uh, uh, the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Yeah, so it's such an important question for us, many of us coming out of the last couple of years, right, of life. Yes. I, you know, I, I honestly, you, you know, we started by talking about, um, about uh, I went to school at Morehouse um, and, you know, 
very timely. You know, this is this is where Martin Luther King went to college, um, and we have a big statue of him in on right on campus. Um, and not just him, the individual, but I think about the movement of people that that he led and that were uh, moved by him uh, as being folks who had it much more difficult than I do on a daily basis. Uh, and so I derive a lot of strength and a lot of um, determination from the struggles of those who came before. Uh, and, and so even on my worst days and my worst moments, um, I, I look to, to those folks who came ahead uh, and, 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 and I get a lot of strength from them. That's awesome and powerful. Thank you. And last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life and kind of have a little, you know, I think we had a little deja vu going on here. Yeah, but, a little deja vu. Yeah, we but, talked a lot about her. Her name is Mary O'Gorman, uh, and she did nothing short of change the trajectory of my life. Uh, we are still in touch to this very day, um, and um, I thank her every chance I can get. Uh, I like to sometimes embarrass her and make her, <laughs> you know, more famous than she wishes she was. Um, and uh, yeah, she's 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 one of those teachers, like so many of them out there, who went way above and beyond the call of duty to to make sure that her students um, were able to access their potential. And I'm I'm just one of them. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Matthew. It was awesome talking with you today. I can't. Thank you enough for discussing literacy, reading instruction, and Heinemann and all the other things you do. And uh, um, wish you the best in, in everything. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for the work that you do in helping uh, spread the, the message uh, around teaching and learning. It's really important. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.